0: I think top performers really have a solution-oriented mindset. So they get thrown yeah. a lot of challenges every single day. And instead of dwelling on them and focusing on them, they're constantly thinking, how can I actually solve this right now? So I think that's really right. one thing that differentiates them. And then the other thing, I just think they're, you know, they view everything as an opportunity. So again, instead of like just focusing on the fact that we can't do door-to-door, it's like, hey, what are we going to do about that? How are we going to change our marketing approach? oh we're going to be calling our painting past clients and said great let's focus on that
1: welcome I have an amazing district manager today to introduce to the leaders of tomorrow, Alexandra Gendron, and she's got an amazing story, really a very, very unique story. Uh, Superstar performer, Uh, that's not so unique because we have a lot of those in our district manager ranks. So she was our uh, rookie operator of the year, uh, co-rookie operator of the year, and then another superstar year, her second year that we talk about. And then she made a really interesting decision, and we enrolled her in the idea of switching from painting to window cleaning. She talks about that, and she talks about the differences between our painting side of the business and our window cleaning side of the business at the Student Works Managing Program. And and certainly, she talks about her passion for her people and uh, the window cleaning side of the business that, that, that she's on. And really, really, we had a fantastic conversation about about growth, about managing our mindset. And I know you're really going to love this conversation that I had with Alexandra Gendron. So, if you know any other amazing leaders like Alexandra, I would love if you could help me because we are busy in our biggest recruitment season ever because our biggest season ever is always the next season biggest day ever is today okay our biggest moment ever is right now and right now we're focused on recruiting amazing amazing students okay to become leaders in this really really challenging time that we're facing in the world never more challenging than right now and uh we need leaders okay as a as a world in Canada, um, you know, and we are developing them. So, please, if you know someone, send me an email at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. Or any feedback about the show, um, you could share this podcast with someone. You could send them to studentworks.com or to leaderspodcast/slash apply. Okay, so I really hope you take that seriously. I'd really love if you could help us out because we're really looking to make a difference. Thanks so much. I hope this podcast will make a difference for you and you'll really enjoy it and take something away to help you become a better leader. Well, Alexandra, so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me.
0: Thank you so much, Chris. I'm so happy to have this opportunity. So thanks so much for reaching out.
1: Well, fantastic. So I'm going to take you back, you know, a few years, you know, before you joined the program and the student works management program. So what were you like before the program and any frustrations that you had?
0: Yeah. So I was always somebody who, you know, always really liked to be busy. I always wanted to be productive, always wanted to have a big workload. And I definitely felt frustrated in the workplace. And the reason why is because I'm somebody who always wanted to take on more responsibility. I always wanted to move up. And sometimes I felt like I was working so hard and I was being compensated the same as everybody else who was working way less than me so that was something that was always really frustrating I remember I was a supervisor and I was going above and beyond for these customers at a grocery store you know a lot of these students were just coming in to just chill and take it easy and go on (laughs) breaks and I had trouble relating with them so I think that was something that was hard to get over but you know
1: I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And they they took the whole benefit of I'm being paid by the hour, which means I'm really not going to try to create much value here. I'm being paid for time and effort. And obviously in our business, we focus on the results economy. We want to get people really motivated and all about providing value to the customer. And that's really what it's about. And the more value I provide, the more profit I get back and the happier my clients are. So You know, thinking back, you know, to your first year operating, and I know you were our rookie operator of the year with Chris (laughs) Sabaran, if I pronounce that right, but uh, one of our other fellow amazing district managers, you know. So, what was that experience like? And really, how did you see yourself differently after that first year?
0: Yeah. So, the experience was absolutely life changing because, again, I always wanted to work and, you know, take on more responsibility. And in this business, I felt like I constantly improve. I could constantly try different things. I could adapt my work methods. I could, you know, always take it a step further. So it's like, as soon right. as I, you know, got my closing rate to seventy, I was like, okay, let's get this to 80% and let's start booking right. bigger projects. And once I got my two employees, let's get another two. So it's like, you know, there's right. always something to be striving for. So I think that's really what kept me going throughout the whole year. And I think one of the challenges I did encounter in my first year was just actually The work-life balance, right? I got totally obsessed with running this business. I trouble taking some time off. And really like, that's where I came back for second year is just because I realized like, look, like a couple of years from now, I'm going to want a family. I'm going to want a business. I'm going to need to balance a big workload. And it's right now that I need to figure this out. So I'm really prepared for my career and, you know, all of the years to come. So.
1: Yeah. No, and it's really great. I remember your second year, you ended up Traveling, I don't know how many weeks. How many weeks in your summer did you travel? Yeah,
0: (laughs) crazy. It was a lot. (laughs) Three weeks in Europe with my family.
1: Three weeks plus a Mexico trip. (laughs) So four weeks, and she ran a hundred and fifty thousand or so business with great profit margins. So uh, pretty, pretty amazing. And I know then we did something really unique, which I, I frankly don't think we'll ever do again. Is we went and saw, uh, not surprisingly. By the way, is because we had this incredible group of talented people on the painting side of our business, and we had this burgeoning business and opportunity on the window cleaning side. And we said, hmm, probably makes sense to tag one of those amazing window painting operators to move them over to the window cleaning side. And again, I don't think that'll happen now just because we've got so many burgeoning leaders on the window cleaning side after doing this now. I guess we're coming into our sixth season, but you know. Now you spent a couple years, you know, on the window cleaning side, you've been on the painting side as a top performer. How do you compare and contrast those businesses?
0: Yeah. So I get so many operators like actually ask me this question because they're like, the two mm. years of painting. Why did you switch? You know, was that something yeah. for you? I get that question all the time in recruiting. And, you know, looking back, the business models are very similar, right? Like our marketing process is the same. We do a lot of door to door. We do the cold calling. Our sales process is pretty similar however the duration yeah. of the estimates is a bit different i remember doing three hour estimates for painting clients whereas yeah. the window cleaning side we're dealing more with like 35 45 minutes of course that right. changed a bit and then in terms of production i think that's really where the differences come from so instead of you know tackling a big job for a week we could actually be doing 15 to 20 projects so yeah there's a bit more planning, I would say a little bit yeah, a little bit more planning organization required on the window cleaning side when it comes to production because you're dealing with such a significant amount of clients mm-hmm. so I think that's really the big difference, but overall, the same skill sets are required really to run either business so.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so what has you excited, you know, just cause I really think one of the things I've always loved to say, uh, well, well, I guess I haven't really promoted this, but anyhow, we basically ran a window cleaning business like painters would run a window cleaning business. Right. You know, and just, we had some great leadership early on, shout out Adam Coleman to help train in this, in this space. And then it was learning and acknowledging and understanding the differences and the really key differences and the really key ways that we need to do things differently. And there are many things that we need to do things exactly the same. And the synergy is, is actually even maybe better than we thought it was, you know. But what, what has you excited moving forward in the, uh, in the window cleaning space?
0: Yeah, well, I think what I like about the window cleaning division is that it's so new. So there's so many opportunities to just like kind of transform yeah. the way we're doing our business. So actually, COVID actually kind of allowed us to experience the experience running this business in such a different way, right? Like last year, we basically call our past clients, show up to their house, go through the whole sales same pro- uh, the whole uh, you know sales process, get a deposit, yeah. and call them in the summer to schedule. But then through COVID and you know during lockdown, we weren't really able to get in yeah. contact these clients face to face. So we realized we we're actually able to book these at a distance on the phone. So that was huge. Yeah. And I think we could really like transform that whole side of the business. Like in terms of rebooking past clients, I think it's something that could be done a lot more, a lot more easily.
1: Efficiently and effectively. So for our leaders, that basically means that, you know, we're taking a $400 job. And instead of saying, basically it would take an hour, travel, phone calls, missed phone calls to go and book a job. Now we're saying it's 15 minutes. So it's like, like the, the percentage profit I'm making on that job goes by four, you know, because the, the cost of producing a job or the time involved in an operator producing a job really dropped. So that's a really amazing insight. And that's how, how the world happens for us, not against us, if we're looking that way. Most people, oh, there's this huge black swan event, coronavirus, oh, my life's destroyed. no. This is happening. So what can we do? How can we best deal with it? And there would be a, a great example. What, what about other things that you see, uh, Alexandra, that see moving forward?
0: Yeah, well, so we've definitely been building on this huge, like, you know, having autonomous crews, but I think this could be mm-hmm. taken to another level. I think if we're really able to hire crews who have cars, we could easily give them, you know, a workload on Monday. Like, hey, here, here's your binder with all the jobs you have to tackle for the week and really have crews produce them without an operator having to actually come on a site, supervise, deal with the clients. I think it's a business where we could leverage out. Okay, awesome. On an even bigger level. So I think in terms of the way we produce, it could be a lot different in terms of scheduling clients. I know Kevin Allen, one of my operators this year, in the estimate process in the winter, he was actually already confirming dates with clients as to when we're going to show up in the summer. So we saved a bunch of time there because we didn't have to Get on the phone and call those 150 clients, find the best time for us to come. So there's just like all these little things that I see that we, you know, we could be doing so much more efficiently. Yeah.
1: And then, and then the great thing about the window cleaning business is every year that we do the window cleaning business, we build. And then we build and we build the client gets list gets bigger and bigger and build bigger. Uh, for the first time coming in next season, we're actually going to start cross marketing our lists. We haven't done that in the past, which may not be something we should promote because it may just be something we should be embarrassed by, <laughs> which is probably all fair, you know, and all it would speak to is, is that there's just so many things to do in a business and we always saw the opportunity and, it's just something that we haven't been able to get to. We are getting into it. We are super excited about the opportunity. And so that's really great. So and how did you cope with the, the mindset challenges? You know, they're telling you, Alex, you can't come out of your house. Oh my gosh, there's there's a pandemic. How did you cope with that? And how did you cope with your team coping with that?
0: Yeah, good question. So I think the first week, of course, like I was definitely resistant to it. I was not really accepting it. I was kind of like, it's happy mm-hmm. happening, you know. We spent so much time recruiting these amazing people, and now it's time to execute. We're all ready. We did January training, yeah. so I, I wasn't really accepting it the first week. I was like, "No, no, no. We're just going to continue doing what we've been doing because that's been working, and we're all going to have yeah. a good time." And you know, yeah. at, at one point, I realized that that just didn't really work. Like, you know, everything was changing around us, and we definitely had to change our approach if we want to continue in business. So. Yeah, you know, looking back, I'm so happy we went through this whole thing because we've absolutely discovered so many new areas of improvement. Like, you know, last year, half the team didn't even have a Facebook page. And this year, we're able to book thousands of dollars for Facebook, Instagram, you know. And then in terms of recruiting, like last year, we were doing a lot of face-to-face interviews. Well, we've changed all that to an online process where we're able to do a lot of Zoom interviews with employees, right? There's just so many little things that we've learned through it. That we've adapted, mm-hmm. So I think we're even more prepared. We're just way more prepared for next year. And of course, like yeah. at the beginning, of course, the team was also resisting the whole idea, right? Like Total. I chose the worst year to run a business. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, right? exactly.
0: And then when I basically like took everybody, we had a Zoom meeting with the team and we kind of reviewed, okay, like how things could have been like last year. And we just really focused on the opportunities for this year. How is this year right. going to help us? How are we going to create everything we want? And when you start looking at this, like it's an opportunity, there's just so much that you could, you know, discover there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's really great because, you know, again, first of all, it's all a story. This is the best year ever to run my business, or this is the worst year ever. You could make an argument for both, (laughs) but the one argument you could make is you could say, well, most students didn't have a job. Most students had a serve. Most students didn't really have much learning and growth and opportunities. So certainly, that's how I would look at it. To say I did the most of separating myself out from other people, and I think heading into this next year, we're still going to be massively impacted by the coronavirus and uh, the impacts of such, and especially university students, I think are going to be more impacted, and their opportunities are going to be more limited. So. It is the best time because of that, and yes, there's no question like i looked I looked at your numbers today and and there's no question you would have done a whole more a whole bunch more you know there's just no question being locked inside from you know middle of March till till really middle of May, mostly you know it was like it was eight weeks, and you know we really are a big part of canvassing and marketing and Yes, there was a big boom once we got out, but there's no question in my mind, it had a really, really big impact, especially on our rookie operators, because they didn't get the same amount of time training and learning and developing, you know, and they also got to learn. I always love to say they got to learn how to deal with a black swan event with great people, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, how to, how to manage your mindset. That is certainly something we do well here. So, you know, um, what are top performers doing differently? alex
0: yeah i think top performers really have a solution oriented mindset so they get thrown a lot of challenges every single day instead of dwelling on them and focusing on them they're constantly thinking how can i actually solve this right now so i think that's really one thing that differentiates them and then the other thing i just think they're you know they view everything as an opportunity so again instead of like just focusing on fact that we can't do door to door. It's like, Hey, what are we going to do about that? How are we going to change our marketing approach? Oh, we're going to be calling our painting past clients and said, great, let's focus on that. So I think there's like, you know, they're just really open to learning, open to growing, open to getting out of their comfort zone. And I think that's really what sets them apart from, you know,
1: a a lower performer an average performer and and i think one of the other things you talked about as well was acceptance it was like hey you accepted the fact that it was different it wasn't going to be the year that you had planned in january and the year that we'd set up it just wasn't because there's a pandemic and many 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 people were way more impacted than us and we should get that under control and say okay And what can we do? And by the way, it is not as good a a calling list to go call our past painting clients as it is to be able to go canvas in a neighborhood where we see things that are dirty and we can point them out, right? But it is just our best opportunity when you can't go outside in a pandemic or, you know, that's the best thing to do for our community, which we of course follow. Totally. So yeah, no, I just love that. I, so you had these two top years as a, as a, as an operator, what made you want to start coaching and and start being a district manager?
0: Yeah. So I remember this one time, Justin couldn't go out and do some estimates in Brooklyn and he just reached out I was like Alex, mm-hmm. you take this evening to, you know, go and help. Brooklyn. Right. And I just remember like, you know, coming in and she was looking at me like, you know, like I was just helping her so much and she was like, yep so thankful in that moment. And I could tell like she learned so much that just right. through those couple of hours and I just realized like how big of an impact I had even though I was just coming to have fun and you know, just talk to clients. And I just realized yeah. like, wow, like I just love this idea of being able to help others and help them improve their skills. And you know, like in two years, like you just learn so much in this program, you develop so many skills and it's like, I just wanna give this opportunity to other students, I want them to be really well set up for their future. So I was also always admiring the DM team. Ever since the second Mm -hmm. I walked in, you know, into that information session, I looked out at these guys like they were gods. I was like, these people, Mm -hmm. like, you know, are really committed to helping other students have a crazy time in university. You know, they're really there, committed to helping them balance a business while being in school. And I was like, I just want to be able to do that for other students. So that's really what attracted me to this role.
1: Well, no, I can totally see that. And I think you're totally right just in terms of our district managers. We uh, th- we have just been blessed with so many, like you said, really, really hardworking, really committed, really wanting to make a contribution. And it really is amazing. You know, and I, I really want our leaders to, to hear this, to spend your life really in contribution. So, hey, I just get to go contribute to these people. And then actually make a, an amazing, you know, reward because the more Alex the harder Alex works and trust me Alex works so hard <laughs> but the harder Alex works and the more time she spends in the field or zoom calls or t- time with her operators the more the better they do and the happier they are and the more likely out to return and you know Alex isn't looking at her her success but as a result it spins out for she's more and more profitable and by the way it it's one of those things where it doesn't work in reverse. And I'll just explain that is, is that if you really are thinking about, oh, wow, I'm going to do a, book a job for somebody, and I just went and booked a $400 job, and the percent that a DM makes on that $400 job is really quite small. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I didn't even pay for my gas to come here to book this job, right? So it doesn't work in reverse. It doesn't work that way. So you really have to get lost in the contribution. And in life, if you can get lost in the contribution, it's a great way to spend. And I know a lot of times, uh, you know, we hear a lot of feedback, of course, and we ask for a lot of feedback. A lot of times our, our operators think there must be something up about these DMs. Like, I don't know. I think they're really just out for themselves. But, you know, and then after a while, they go, no, they aren't, you know? So it's pretty great.
0: I just totally agree, Chris. There's just nothing more rewarding in the end to see these people develop. Like I just remember last year, you know, at banquet, looking back at the team and just like seeing them being able to talk to strangers confidently, being yeah. able to just be you in know, any kind of conversation. And you know, just the yeah. way their posture, like I remember them showing up at January training, like looking down, they showed up to window cleaning training, they were way more open, you know, they were yeah. talking yeah, just in such a different way. So it's it's so rewarding to look back at the team. Yeah.
1: No, I love, I love to sort of, you know, remind people who were you walking into the room, January training, and then think, wow, eight months later, or two years or one year, eight months, three years, eight months later, and just going, oh my gosh, I'm just a different person. And again, you know, for me, I was, I was at a similar training in 1984. So I just, I, I had the similar experience. So if you compare yourself now, you've done this a second year. You know how has that helped you develop into a better leader? What do you see? How do you see things differently? You know, in this year going into your fifth year in the program, uh, you know, in leadership.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think something you know, I did my first year DMing is I was really focused on people achieving their goals. Right? I was just so okay. focused on p- people hitting their sales goals and their production goals, and yep you know, at times I was very task oriented, right? I was just like really committed to making that happen. And I think at the yeah. time, I realized like, hey, it's great to be hitting our sales goals and everything, but at the same time, like top priorities that we're enjoying this, we're having a good time. Our employees are happy, right. our customers are happy. We have a good lifestyle. So I think in my second year of DMing, it's definitely been a bigger focus, right? Like it's constantly topping my meetings. What are you doing to happens right. this week? When are you taking time off? You know, it's great you have right. a sales goal. How are you going to reward yourself? So I think that's something I definitely doubt. Like I definitely learned after doing a first year of coaching, just because I realized like it's great to be doing all our you know hitting all our goals, and at the same time, lifestyle work life balance is super super important. At the end of the day,
1: yeah, because people can feel it becomes just a grind, and we don't want life to be a grind, right? And again, we can we at the end of the summer, the end of our decade, the end of our lives, we can go well. We hit all our goals, but was I happy? So it's finding that, you know, quote unquote balance, which is really kind of a word that really doesn't really make so much sense sometimes. But it's just, you know, to me, how I describe balance would be, you know, again, finding, you know, how much time I should be working, how much time I should be playing, how much time I should be, you know, doing the different tasks and i find that at times the reason why i don't like balance is because i don't think it's ever balanced all at the same time you know there's sometimes where i just need to put more time into work there's st- sometimes where oh I, I i can afford not to so great or like like vacation or different times where i naturally hey don't spend time working and i've made the mistake of not doing that so that's why i can tell you not to and so it's just kind of understanding the ebb and flow you know, and and as a leader as well, that's really important. So how do you think this experience will be helpful to your career and your life, Alex?
0: Yeah. Well, I think in a program like this, you really get to learn a bit, you know, we'll learn a ton about, you know, marketing, sales, production, recruitment. So you really have skills to really set up your own business because you've already recruited a team, already had to manage them, set expectations. You already had to have You know, really tough firing conversations if needed. Sure. In terms of marketing, you learn different ways to market a service. And then, of course, in terms of sales, you've learned how to sell from 300 to, you know, I don't know, 6,000, whatever, you know, big job. Whatever job. Yeah. So it's like you really just set yourself up with a lot of business skills that unfortunately a lot of students don't actually have. Because a lot of my friends in business school were really just focused on getting the best grades, which is awesome. And at the same time, I think it's important to have some experience to really like combine the two to really set yourself apart. So I think the business skills is great. But of course, like communication skills, organization skills, you know, the planning skills are also really important. So I think those are really the biggest things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to me as, as well, as is, is, it's really tough to learn. You know, again, you know, I know sales, interview skills. Management skills or coaching skills through a book, and yes, they can influence your learning, but ultimately, I can read what it's like to coach someone or what coaching I was reading radical candor uh, over the last over the last week or two and and really great stuff that uh, the author had put in, and ultimately it's about okay, how do I take that and make chris thompson a better coach okay because you know she is she and i'm me so i got to figure out how to how to work on me always to get me to another level so that's one of the things as well why i think you know books are great and it it can't be everything just like again i would say the same thing just experiential learning isn't what i would want to put all my you know, all my investment in that, that doesn't make sense. You know, no, hold on. There's incredible institutions and books and, you know, programs that I, that I want to take as well. Right. So I think that's really, really great. Hey leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the student works management program. In large part, That's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now, and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So, you know, if you were thinking, um, at, you know, talking to a young person who wants to jump into entrepreneurship, what, what advice would, would you give?
0: I think the biggest thing is just to be patient, right? Like, I remember driving to my first marketing session. I literally couldn't get out of the car. I was one of those operators. I could not get <laughs> myself to knock on the first door. And it took a while. I had to call a bunch of operators for them to convince me. And, you know, I ended up talking to Kendra. She's like, get your fucking ass outside now. Like, what are you doing? And, you know, like even the first times doing sales, like it was so yeah. overwhelming. It was very exhausting. First time doing interviews, I was, so stressed out because of something new and of course i could have yeah. just given up at the beginning because it was new it was yeah. challenging it was uncomfortable but i'm really happy i stayed patient in the beginning and i allowed myself to make mistakes and you know just mm-hmm. like you know be okay with things not being perfect so yeah. i think being patient is really important and number two don't be afraid to ask for advice right like the good thing about student is of course you have a mentorship program you always have senior mm-hmm. support but let's say you want to you know Starting business. Well, there's a lot of people who are running a business, maybe in a similar industry, you'll yeah. always be reaching out for advice, for help, for, you know, all that stuff. So definitely important to keep that in mind as well.
1: Yeah. And certainly that's a one great, great habit that you have. I know uh is, is that you're very inquisitive, fact finder, you know. How can I figure out the best way to do this so I can coach my people? So what other key habits would would someone want to take from you, Alex?
0: I think what allows me to get a lot of stuff done with my weeks is just, I plan a lot. Right. So it's like Sunday is always a plan day. Right. So it's like you right. know, in the morning it's laundry. I, I go grocery shopping, get all that stuff sorted out. Then Sunday night I plan really what I'm going to be doing with my time. You know, I'm already right. like the whole week is really laid out. And then I start my Monday and I just execute. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, so it's kind of just like important to just take the time and like, Does this plan actually make sense? Is this working efficiently? Should I actually see this operator at another time? I'll be like closer to that area. I think just taking the time to stop, you know, create something, look at it, analyze it. Does this make sense? Like, I think that's really important. So I think that's something a lot of operators struggle with. Actually just reflecting. Like, stop and look at this. Like, is this really like, are we working efficiently here? So I think finding organization. And then another key habit, I think. We spoke about I was gonna say ask for help, but that's it's not really a you
1: just did. No, yeah. No, because that's and that's actually one thing that you just did talk about is is how important it is to ask for help. You know, and, and on the other side, and this is something I also see in you, Alex, is is you're also coachable. You know, so so it's it's one thing to ask for help. It's another thing actually to take people's help. Now, by the way, as well, we always have to, you know, when we get you know, advice or input, or people share their experiences, we also have to then take it through our lens and say, does that work for me? Okay. Because again, it's, it's, it's not just as simple as plug and play in life. So, so that is totally something that makes sense. Totally. So one final question, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what do you think of?
0: Yeah, I think of somebody who wants to, you know, tackle problems head on. I think of somebody who's not afraid of failure, not afraid of like making mistakes and putting themselves out there, you know, and like doing door to door for a little bit, you know, doing something that's like a lot of people would say, don't fucking do that. That doesn't make sense, right? You should (laughs) never put yourself in front of a door. I just think of somebody who's, you know, willing to just like take a risk and really just work hard to make something happen.
1: I love that. I love that. You know, and 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 certainly something to you know that I see in you is you're certainly someone who is puts in an enormous amount of effort into your business, into your people, you know, and again, you've really really grown out of your comfort zone. And if we really look at leaders, that's what we need to do. And that's what we always need to do because you know, if if I stay the same person I am now, and don't grow or don't allow the business to grow because I'm stuck, then the business won't grow and not even necessarily grow in dollars, but will be restricted. And so, so I think we all need to be seeing that. You know, how our business operated decades ago, totally different. And, you know, and it's the same thing for all of us. And I know that's why we have a, a real powerful growth mindset. And I think you really exhibit that.
0: And it's funny that you said that, the getting out of your comfort zone. Cause even today, a part of me is like, Oh God, I'm getting going on a podcast. I've never done that before. I was like, you know, <laughs> 20 minutes before I was like, do I really want to do this? Like, should I call a critic and yeah. like make another arrangement? And it's like, yeah, like, we're all going to have those situations where it's new, it's different, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's like, it's in that moment where you get the opportunity to decide, am I going to push through and try something new? Yeah. Or am I just going to hold back and just stop? So it's like, I constantly, you know, I'll have these talks in my head. Should I do this? This is new. This is awkward. This is totally different. And I always try to make like I always push to get it done because make that's the it. only way I'm going to be able to learn at the end of the day. So,
1: well, that's awesome. Well, I, I'm I'm so appreciative. And by the way, I was more than aware because one of the things we do, leaders, is we actually do predictive insect in, in, index. So it's basically profiling all of our operators. So we know our operators and our district managers. So some of them come on these podcasts and they're totally comfortable and they've got a personality and and just an ease about them. That make it really, really easy for them and for Alex. This is a stretch, and and the big thing is I didn't want to lose the opportunity for our amazing leaders uh, for them to get to know Alex and just the amazing leader she was. And again, great example of of just you walking your talk, right? About you growing and saying, "Okay, I'm going to try this on." And hey, it wasn't it wasn't that hard at all, was it?
0: <laughs> exactly. Right. Totally, and that's that's the thing. It's self-talk is so important. So it's like you know, a, a part of me was thinking maybe I shouldn't do this. This is a risk, and mm-hmm. right, you know, yeah. I always like try to like talk to myself. It's like, no, you got this. You could do this. So it's like, whenever you're yeah. about to do a school presentation, you're concerned about it. You know, just go out there and do it. You're gonna feel so yep. much better than just holding yourself back whenever you're faced with a bit of adversity.
1: Yeah. And, and managing that self-talk because, because certainly as well, I can speak totally to that at your age, I would have had a lot of self-talk as well. And, you know, managing that negative self-talk and then also looking to who can help me out of this managing self-talk. So if you can think Alex has reached out to our district managers before, other operators before, other friends before, so that those are other resources that we have when, again, it's kind of whatever uh, comes into our head that really isn't us that's not the best part of us. So so Alex, thanks so much for joining us on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I really appreciate your contribution.
0: Thank you so much, Chris. <laughs> this was a lot easier than I thought. So I had a blast. I really appreciate the <laughs> <your> opportunity.
1: again. <laughs> fantastic. Thanks again. You have a fantastic, uh, fantastic day.
0: Thanks.
1: <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye.